Well, good morning, saints, and happy new year to each and every one of you. Uh, may the Lord's blessings be yours in abundance this new year as and as you seek him afresh and walk with him, endeavor to walk with him with renewed resolve. I pray that your hearts would be filled with joy as you do so. So as I pondered what to preach on this very first day of 2023, through various means, the Lord brought to mind a wonderful Old Testament word, a Hebrew word that defies a single dynamic word-for-word translation. It is a word that is rich with God's covenant and gospel love for us. It is pregnant with meaning that will satisfy our soul and give us a strong foundation in life. It will steady our feeble walk because we feel that many times. And it will strengthen our hearts with grace. I asked the Vasas to read the Shepherd Psalm earlier in the service because this psalm tells us of God's tender care for us in every stage of our life and even into eternity. It is an extraordinary psalm, Psalm 23. We know that Jesus, of course, is the ultimate and true fulfillment of that psalm because he is our good shepherd, the good shepherd, John 10, who lays down his life for the sheep. Now, the psalm concludes with this precious promise, this statement. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's goodness and mercy will follow me, my rear guard, every day of my life. And even as I transition into Eternity. What a comfort. His goodness and his mercy are our rear guards as we traverse the trials of this life, the storms of this life, and by his grace live with him all throughout eternity. However, if you were to read that verse in the New American Standard, it would not say mercy. It would say faithfulness. If you read the NIV, it would read love instead of mercy and so forth. Just pick your translation and basically it's kind of a little wheel. You just pick which word it's going to land on. Why is this? This one little word cannot consistently be translated or rendered As a specific word in English. It is too rich. 
It is too multifaceted to be pinned down to one word. It is the Hebrew word chesed. Sometimes written with a ch instead of an h. I will pronounce chesed as chesed moving forward for your sake and for mine. When I was in seminary, I wrote a little paper on this word. It's fascinating. It's a powerful word. Now, as you can see, these are some of the words that would be used to describe God's chesed. Mercy. Goodness. Faithfulness. Kindness. Loyalty. Loving kindness. Steadfast love. Any one of these words are good words. But not a single one of them is sufficient in and of itself to capture the full meaning and the spectrum of this beautiful word. Now, I mean, you can see sometimes why these poor Bible translators are probably pulling their hair out because, you know, how do you, how do you do this? And it does in part answer the question, if you've ever asked, why does this translation look a little different than this one sometimes? Sometimes this is what's at the root of that. For those of you who are bilingual or trilingual, you know that it is hard sometimes to consistently render a word in this language into this language. Now, chesed is used in the context of relationships, both person to person and also in relation to God's relationship with us, his people. Now, it is my sincere prayer this morning that this one little word will greatly support you, that it would encourage you In your walk with Christ. I pray that it will sustain you. In this upcoming year. That you will reflect on it often. And that you will be enormously encouraged. With the Lord's hesed. Toward you. Now. Hesed appears in the Old Testament. Over in the Old Testament. Over 250 times. It is not a stranger to God's word. It shows up in various settings. So I'd like to highlight this morning one occurrence that packs a powerful punch. It is a verse that the Lord used mightily in my life when I was living in Moscow, Russia in 1991. So let's begin with a little bit of background. You might recall that God had a covenant or an agreement with Israel in the Old Testament. It was a conditional covenant called the Mosaic Covenant. And it went something like this. If you honor me, if you obey me, if you worship me, if you treat your neighbor with dignity, I will bless you in ways that you cannot even fathom. You will not be able to contain all of the blessings that I will send your way. However, if you neglect me, 
If you wander off after other gods with a lowercase g, if you commit idolatry, if you treat your neighbor poorly, I will curse you. Now, throughout Israel's troubled history, God sent forth prophet after prophet after prophet, generation after generation after generation, and their message was largely the same. Repent, turn back to God, worship him, love your neighbor. You've wandered. You've gone astray. You're on the wrong path. You need to correct your path. As you might know, ultimately, through much long suffering, God's judgment fell and they were exiled to Babylon. Now, it was the weeping prophet by the name of Jeremiah who lamented the fall of Jerusalem during this Exile during this time of judgment. The absence of singing, he lamented the absence of singing and dancing, the absence of children playing in the street, the absence of God's people worshiping. If ever there was an emotional pit, Jeremiah dug himself a hole and he was right in that pit. God was absent from his people, or so it felt. The enemies of God had ransacked their city, kidnapped their people, the temple was in ruins, and there was no worship happening there. The joyful songs of praise to the Lord were no more. Jerusalem was a ghost city. Where was God? He was, in Jeremiah's mind, nowhere. He didn't help. He did not rescue. Life had bottomed out. There was no hope, no future. Life was pointless, or so it seemed. Now, while it is true that Jerusalem was in shambles, it is also true that God had decreed that this exile was to last for about two generations. He would ultimately raise up an unlikely candidate, a pagan king, to deliver them. But here's where God's hesed comes into play. In that moment of despair, as Jeremiah is lamenting, Jeremiah did something well worth emulating. He pondered the Hesed of God. He reflected upon the Lord's rich history of showing Hesed to his People. Rather than cast himself completely in despair, Jeremiah recalled God's Hesed and he entrusted himself to his faithful, tender, loving care. And this is where we read, that is the background to the book of Lamentations, which is a book of laments, 
Lamentations chapter 22. I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 22. Remember, Jeremiah has dug his pit. He's in it. But he ponders. He ponders the Hesed of God. And this is what he says. The Hesed of the Lord never ceases. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. My friend, let the never ending Hesed of God be your sure foundation and support in life. Let it be your true north every single day bar none. Reflect upon it in good times and reflect upon it in bad times. It literally permeates your Old Testament. And it is a pillar of God's character. It is because of the Lord's great hesed that we are not consumed. God's care for you personally. He sees you. God's care for you is faithful. He is loyal. He is kind. He is loving. He is merciful. Scripture says that God's Hesed extends to a thousand generations for those who love Him. Now let's break down two truths from these verses alone regarding the Lord's Hesed towards us. Because it mirrors this verse or two. They mirror this truth all throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. The first one is this. And you can read this yourself. It has no end. It doesn't cease. It doesn't stop. Remember geometry? You know, there's a line. I'm going to get these terms wrong. Uh, There's a line with two points and there's a line with an arrow. Whatever they're called, right? God's hesed is the kind with an arrow. It never stops. There's no end point to it. It does not have a stopping point. God's tender care for you has no shelf life. It does not expire upon your disobedience or failings. It is not dependent upon how you feel in a given moment. Lord have mercy, that would be terrible. It is not earned by you. God's hesed predates your birth and all of your foolishness and all of your folly. Mine as well. It is there. It is ever present in your life, no matter where you are and no matter how you feel in a given moment. 
This is exactly what David was conveying in Psalm 23. Surely, with confidence I say this, the Lord's hesed will follow me all the days of my life. Charles Spurgeon said they are the rear guard His hesed and his goodness. They are the rear guard for us. They follow us. He is before us. His hesed follows us wherever we go. The Lord goes before me, David says, and leads me to living waters. And his hesed follows me all the days of my life. And his hesed will follow me the day that I die. And in our case, when we see Christ Face to face. It will follow me into eternity. This year we mourn the loss of our missionary, our ministry partner, Cornel Hudulin, in Romania. Those who know him well in Sanda, we know that he faced many dark days in the last number of years. Even in his darkest trials, the Lord's Hesed followed them in his latter years after the terrible car accident, all this internal strife, the people coming at him, all those things, the scoundrel, scoundrels that assailed him. The Lord's kindness followed him into eternity where he now stands. And is forever in the house of the Lord, worshiping and serving his Savior. Sanda as well, on this side of eternity. Now the twin truth of the Lord's Hesed is that it does not expire in our darkest days. It does not expire or disappear in our dark days. And number two... It does not diminish in the storm. If you are alive, if you, one thing we all have in common, we all have a pulse this morning. We're alive. I can guarantee you that what Jesus told us, what the apostles told us, is that we will have trials and tribulations of various kinds. It's life. The storms of life. Now this is what I want you to hear. And this is what I want you to personalize for yourself. Because this is God's heart in scripture. I think it's fair to say that 2022 has been a difficult year for all of us collectively. But I mean especially on the heels of 2020 and 2021. It has been a roller coaster. But this I know to be true. Many of you personally have had a very difficult time this past year. You have sat in grief. You have faced faced milestones this year without loved ones or you have grieved great loss. You have faced challenges that literally drained you and left you feeling empty with a capital E. Financial hardships, health challenges, temptations, and so forth. As your pastor, I want you to know, I recognize that and I acknowledge that. While I speak collectively to all of us, 
I speak to you who are walking right now in a dark path with a dim light. Scripture tells us that the Lord's heart, a bruised reed, he will not break. A smoldering, struggling flame, he will not smother or extinguish. God's hesed, his disposition towards you and towards me. His faithful, loving kindness, it is for you now, today, in this very moment. It is not for when you emerge from your dark night of the soul. It is not for when you get your act together. Aren't we all telling ourselves the same thing? Tomorrow, I'll do it better. I'll get it straight tomorrow. And tomorrow comes and we say the same thing. It is not for when we say no successfully to the next temptation or better off when and so on and so forth. God's hesed is for you and it is for right now. I am here to tell you and remind you and proclaim that God's hesed is for you. Reflect upon it. Ponder it. Study it. Believe it. And perhaps most importantly, minister this to one another. No matter what situation you're in. Our upcoming sermon series is in Colossians. I mentioned that. I'd like you to turn or scroll, if you have your Bibles, to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Where do I even begin? Verse 14. We'll begin there. Above all, put on, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now watch this, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. That's brother in Christ to brother in Christ, sister in Christ and so forth. That is personally one to another. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That is ministry one to another. And if I could say a word just for a moment here. When we gather on a Sunday morning, when we lift up our voices in praise, I think we often view that as lifting our voices and hearts vertically to the Lord in praise. That is absolutely true. He is the one worthy of our worship. It is to him that we sing. However, there is a horizontal ministry in which we are ministering the truth about God that we are singing to one another. We are strengthening one another by vocalizing, by verbalizing the truth that we are singing. So, there is no room for worship to look like this. 
We should be engaged. Not only are we worshiping the Lord, but we are lifting our voices to help those around us. Now, I heard a brother one say this recently. They lost their 21-year-old son earlier this year in a tragic accident. And he described it, really caught my attention. He described it so vividly. He said, when I got back to church, I could not sing. It, it wasn't in me. But he made the most profound statement. He said, those around me sang for me. So I encourage you, this is a total side note, I encourage you, as you gather together to worship, of course you're worshiping the Lord, and He is worthy of more than just hands in the pocket. But remember, we lift our voice and we sing loudly, because others around us need to be encouraged and reminded. So a focus of ours this year in terms of discipleship is seeing how we are to learn together, encourage one another in the context of relationship, and together strive shoulder to shoulder for the sake of the gospel. Now, friends, as we move from the old covenant to the new covenant, from the law to the gospel, from Sinai to the cross, this covenant love that the Lord has for his people, it doesn't change it is true it's a hebrew word it's a concept but as we cross into the new testament this concept is magnified it is more glorious and more visible than it has ever been before in the pages of your old testament martin luther said that john three sixteen is the gospel in a nutshell how does the verse start off for god so Loved. It's the heart of the gospel. What was a steady and faithful fount in the Hebrew scriptures comes to light so gloriously in the New Testament. It is not an exact correlation, we know. But let us consider the great love that God has for us and what he has shown us. I direct you to 1 John chapter 4. Verse 19, that precious truth that undergirds all that we do, we agape love because God first agaped us. It is the tremendous and overwhelming love of God that first reached us and transformed me. It is God's love shed abroad in my heart to overcome my fears, my shame, and my guilt. Now, let us be good stewards of this great love and hesed that the Lord has bestowed upon us. Let us immerse ourselves fully in it. So it is truly our foundation. When we walk in awareness of the Lord's hesed, of his love, we begin to naturally be able to give that away to other people.
We are better positioned to be good news to those who know the Lord and to those who do not yet know him. Let us make our third and final observation about the Lord's hesed, the Lord's love in our life. It is not to stop with us. It is designed to flow in and through us. We are the conduit of God's hesed. What is given to us on a vertical plane is to be reciprocated on a horizontal plane. That is, we, God's people, are to show this same hesed to those around us. When we receive the Lord's kindness and in turn, we grow by it by showing it to others. So let me take you to familiar territory. Micah 6 verse 8. I'm not going to sing it so you can relax. He has told you, O man, what is good. God has said what is good and what the Lord requires of you. So when God says something is good and when God says this is what I require of you, I want to listen and pay attention to that. Three things. Do justice, love Hesed, and walk humbly with your God. This cannot be understated. This is what is good and what God requires of us. Look at that middle one. The three things. Look at the middle one. Take the Hesed that you have received from God and love it. Learn to love it so that you do justice and walk humbly with your God. So that you pass that same hesed on to those around you. Notice its proximity in that verse to loving justice and to walking humbly with the Lord. We cannot walk with the Lord and not love hesed. The two are completely incompatible. If we ourselves do not love Hesed, we are not walking humbly with the Lord. Period. So now you say, well, that's an Old Testament word. That's nice. Surely that does not apply to me now. Hopefully this is not your inclination. But just in case, let's see how this plays out in the New Testament. I think it's safe to say that Jesus' teaching on this general subject is in complete accord with the Hebrew Scriptures. It should not surprise you. This concept of being loved unconditionally by God and then loving those around us literally jumps off the page of every page in your New Testament. It permeates it. It's like the New Testament is breathing. It is inhaling and exhaling the love of God for us that we then give to other people. Listen to John 13, verse 33. This is leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. 
Jesus turns to his disciple and tells them something absolutely profound. In the same way that Jesus loved them, they are to love one another. Their love for each other is to be so radical that it mimics the love that Jesus has showed them. This is worth pondering for just a moment. Jesus' love for us is impossible to adequately classify or even describe fully. Philippians 2 comes to mind. Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself and took the form of his own creation. He was obedient to death, even death on a cruel Roman cross. It is not only our willingness to die for one another that marks Jesus' love. Rather, it's more than that. It is the complete humility that pervades our disposition towards one another and our action for one another in us. The humility that pervades everything that Jesus did. Now think about that. What if everything that we did was marked by humility? Which is exactly what Paul pleads for in Philippians 2.3. What if it was marked by death to self, which is what Jesus called us to? What if we took up our cross and followed Jesus by consistently, persistently encouraging one another, selflessly serving one another, faithfully praying for one another, by being long-suffering towards one another, which essentially means putting up with one another, by admonishing one another by the word of God in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We can sink social media into the deepest ocean in the world, and I promise you, if this is who we are, what Jesus said would be profoundly true. That this is how people will know that we are his followers. How we love one another. So my friends, let us receive the hesed of the Lord and feast on the finest affair. Let us experience true satisfaction and rest in Jesus. Let us be people who intentionally and sacrificially love one another and those Around us. To learn more about the Lord's Hesed and His unconditional love, I commend to you our adult education class. We're starting a new series. We're in the, the Minor Prophets on Hosea next Sunday, 845, right next door in the small sanctuary. A wonderful way to see and expand upon God's love for us. And God's heart for us. So I'd like you, if you would, to stand with me. I'd like to close this morning by reading, simply reading, and you can join me if you like. You can turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, because I want this to stick with you and with me for this upcoming week and, of course, throughout the year. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors, Through him who loved us. For I am sure. I am confident. I am persuaded. That neither death nor life. Nor angels nor rulers. Nor things present nor things to come. Nor powers nor height nor depth. Nor anything else in all creation. Will be able to separate. Watch this. Will be able to separate me. From the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Hesed. We thank you for your unconditional love for us. We acknowledge our struggles, our pain, our hurt, our disappointment. Lord, as we enter a new year, we pray. That we would walk in the light of your hesed. That we would ponder and consider your faithful loving kindness towards us. Thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel. That Christ died for sinners. Of which we are all a sinner. Thank you for the simplicity and the power of the gospel. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Our prayer is that if there is anyone who has not done that, who has not turned to the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation, that today would be the day of their salvation. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.